Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. God blesses you seated today in Jesus' name. Now unto him that is able. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. It's all in him. The mighty God is Jesus. The prince of peace is he. The everlasting father, the king eternally. The wonderful in wisdom by whom all things were made. The fullness of the Godhead in Jesus is displayed. Thank God that I know a name that's above every name. And that name is Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1.3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The only time in your Bible where God was ever referred to as a person and the reference was to Jesus Christ who was made in his image. Amen. The express image of the invisible God. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. All of the fullness was in Jesus Christ. All. The whole number. Everyone. Everybody. Everything. The whole quantity. That's all. Fullness. All that can be held, completely filled, the utmost capacity, not room for anybody else in the Godhead. That's what all the fullness was in Jesus Christ is all about. And there be some among us that tell us the doctrine of the oneness is just a matter of semantics. Or as an antiquated doctrine that we ought to not bring up anymore. But I want you to know today that unto him who is able. All that we're doing today, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's not about me and it's not about you and it's, it's not about where we are. But this is all about Jesus Christ. And if we can get Jesus in the house today, I feel him here already. I want you to know God's able to do exceeding abundantly. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. I'm thankful today that I know Jesus is the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's Alpha and He's Omega. He's the beginning and He's the ending. He's the first and the last in all points in between. In Genesis, he's the great creator. His name is Jesus. 
In Exodus, he's the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. His name is Jesus. In Leviticus, he's the great high priest. In Numbers, he's the great statistician. In Deuteronomy, he's the lawgiver. In Joshua, he's the captain of the Lord's host. In Judges, he's the judge of all the earth to the spirits of just men made perfect. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he is the son of David. He's still on the throne of David today. In Ezra, he is the foundation stone. In Nehemiah, he's the wall builder. In Esther, he's the divine hand of God's providence. In First and Second Kings, he's the king of kings. It doesn't matter where you go in your word of God. We know that Jesus is the mighty God and it's all in him today. Now unto him who is able. Amen. The doctrine known as the oneness can be summed up in two great statements. There is one God with no distinction of persons. Number two, Jesus is that one true and living God. Amen. And in him, not in them. Everywhere that you see a hymn in the singular reference to Jesus in the Word of God, the Trinitarians and the dual personality of God, teachers would like to put a them there. In the first chapter of the book of Genesis alone, 32 times that God is Elohim. Elohim is a plural, but it's not a plural of persons, but it's the plural of God's natural attributes. It's all in Elohim. All the healing is in God. All the miracles are in God. All truth is in God. For Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Jesus did not say, I am a way. If he would have said, I am a way, that would have signified there was more than one way. But Jesus is the only way. And he's the only truth and he's the only life and if the truth you're teaching and the life you're living and the way you're walking is not all about Jesus and I'm preaching to you today to turn it around and get your mind made up and your heart fixed that you're going to live for Jesus under him who is able to do exceeding abundantly I want to preach today about the God of impossibilities the God of impossibilities. I will not doubt, though all my ships at sea come drifting home with broken masts and sails. I will believe the hand which never fails from seeming evil worketh good for me. And though I weep because those sails are tattered, still will I shout while my best hopes lie tattered. I trust in thee. Dear God, I trust in thee. I will not doubt, though all my prayers return unanswered from the still white realm above. I will believe that is an all-wise love which has refused me the things for which I yearn. And though at times I cannot keep from grieving, yet let the pure ardor of my fixed believing undimmed still burn. I will not doubt, though sorrows fall like rain, 
and trouble swarm like bees about in hive. I will believe the heights for which I yearn are reached only by anguish and by pain. And though I writhe and groan beneath my crosses, yet shall I see through the severest losses the greater gain. I will not doubt, well anchored in the faith, like some staunch ship my soul braves every gale so strong its courage it cannot quell to breast the mighty unknown sea of death yea let me cry when body parts with spirit so listening worlds may hear it I will not doubt and what I don't want you to doubt today is that we serve a God that specializes in situations seemingly thought impossible I want to pose to you a thought-provoking question this morning. Have you any rivers you think are uncrossable? Have you any mountains that you cannot tunnel through? My God specializes in things thought impossible. He can do what no other God can do. Amen. Philippians 4 19. But my God shall supply all of your needs. I don't know how many of you got some needs today. But if I was preaching in a Laodicean church, I'd fall on deaf ears with my message. But if you came here with needs in your lives today, I want you to know we got a promise. And the promise is that my God shall supply all your needs. Maybe you think you've got some impossible needs. You got the right mindset already. Because if you can still make a way, then God can't do his job. But when you say, God, it's an impossibility, then God is welcome on the scene. Amen. In the word of God, the scripture said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 25, and ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, and not many noble, and not many mighty after the flesh, a man are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised have God chosen and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are that no flesh should glory in God's presence. I want God to know early on today a man that if I can get out of his way and God can step on the scene something supernatural can transpire in this sanctuary. Some of you need to get out of God's way. Some of you need to step off of the throne and crown Jesus King of Kings and Lord of Lords and let him take the preeminence so that God can get the glory or he's not going to give and share his glory with anybody. Whenever Jesus came to the marriage supper at Cana of Galilee, his mother turned to him and said, they have no wine. And Jesus commanded the servants to fill the chipped and brittle and ugly wash pots to the brim with water. And his mother said to the servants, whatsoever he saith unto thee, 
do it. And Jesus spoke the word and turned the water into wine. The governor of the feast commented and said, most people wait until the celebration is nearly over. And then they bring out the good and the best of wine. But you have saved the best for last. And that's what God is doing in the 21st century apostolic church. If you think the revivals and the evangelistic crusades of yesterday and yesteryear was something, I've got news for you. God always saves the best for last. Poor pitiful people. Poor pitiful Pentecostals that all you have is a recollection and a memory of how good the church used to be and how mighty God used to be. I want to preach to you today and tell you that God not only was good yesterday, but he's good right now. And I'm telling you, he's going to be better tomorrow. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Now that's where some of you were. Whenever you came to Jesus, you were like those filthy wash pots. You were chipped and rough around the edges. You were ugly on the outside. But Jesus didn't look at who you were. He looked at who you were going to be. God doesn't label you as your failure, but he labels you as your regeneration. And when he was on the cross, you were on his mind. He didn't look at that old drug addict. He didn't look at that old homosexual. He didn't look at that old drunkard, but he looked at an aisle runner. He looked at a tongue talker, and he said, I am going to die for them in their sins, but I'm going to make something and give them the best in the latter part of their life. God of impossibilities, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor, Rise and go out and fight the Midianites. What does it look like, Gideon? Give me a troop evaluation. Gideon said, well, Lord, there's 135,000 of the Midianites, and there's 32,000 of us. Uh, it's a long shot. It's about four to one. But as long as we get a good night's sleep, uh, sharpen our swords, uh, and get plenty of arrows in our quiver, uh, then I think we can take the enemy. God said, that's not what I wanted to hear. Tell everybody that's fearful and afraid that they can walk off the battlefield right now. And 22,000 men walked off of the battlefield and God asked the question again what does it look like Gideon Gideon said it's a long shot we've got 10,000 soldiers left at least they weren't cowards that worshipped their fear and man those that were dreadful had gone home but it said take the men to the water and 9,700 of them got down on all fours like an animal and lowered their spiritual man to the natural man. And these men, they were delayful and they were careless. And God said, I don't want anybody in my army that's not going to keep up their eyes on the enemy and bring the natural man up to the spiritual man. You're bowed down and you forgot that you're in the battle. But God said, I want somebody that'll keep their eyes on the enemy and keep their eyes on Jesus. And I'm not going to have them but take them to the water I want you to know that I've already been to the water and I've already been baptized I've already been converted and I feel I feel I feel all right it's in the water 
It's in the water. In the name of Jesus. Jesus said, except a man be born again of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Or a man must be born again in water by submersion in the name of Jesus Christ to have his sins remitted. And I want you to know today that if you haven't been water baptized in the name of Jesus, not only are you not a citizen, a required citizen of heaven, amen, but you're on your way to hell today. I think somewhere that we've gotten an idea in our doctrine that there is some that are the friends of the bride. And if you're not water baptized in the name of Jesus and tongue talking, that you still have a place in heaven. You're just not with the bride of Christ. You're a friend of the bride. And I'll come to break that up today and tell you that except you're born of the water in the name of Jesus, you're on your way to hell and you need to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost take them to the water some that are baptizing in the title Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And just in case, with a sneer to look on their face, and they say in the sweet name of Jesus, but a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. It's the name of the Father, John 5 and 43, is Jesus. The name of the Son, Matthew 1 and 21, is Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost, John 14, 26, is Jesus. You're baptized into a death Colossians 2 and 12 you're buried with him in baptism you don't sprinkle dirt on a dead man but you submerge him in the water Romans 6 and 3 no you're not that's so many of us as we're baptized into Christ we're baptized into his death the father never died and the Holy Ghost never died but the son died he's not there no more but he got up 72 hours later with a healing in his wings I got send those 9700 home I don't want anybody that's going to delay what do you got now Gideon we got at least we had about 13 to 1 when I had 10,000 I've only got 300 men left I don't stand a chance there's no way that we can defeat 450 to 1 and God said I'm a God of impossibilities I'm able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think as long as I don't stand a chance as long as you don't stand a chance God can do the inconceivable he's the God of impossibilities for it is not by might nor by power but by my spirit say the Lord like a rushing mighty wind when the Holy Ghost blows through this house it's not in your education it's not in your talents it's not in your wealth it's not in your good looks it's not in your pedigree it's not in your heritage but unto the Lord be all glory and honor and power God of impossibilities son of man can these bones live 
son of man can these bones live oh yes if I get enough education I can turn this city around if I get enough buses I can turn this city around if I get a good music minister I can turn my city around that's not what I wanted to hear I want to know it's an impossibility and Ezekiel said thou knowest Lord if they're going to live it's going to be because you intervene I want you to prophesy 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 to these bones prophesy to these bones if you want the revival in your city number one you can't have revival in most of our cities the word re is to do it again vibe is life amen we want to revive what's never had life to begin with we don't need revival in our cities we need evangelism in our cities we need an evangelistic crusade to go out to people that don't know about the Lord and it, it never was the will of God. It never was the church's will to have a perpetual revival. Fever and chill, fever and chill, hot and cold, in and out. God wants you to get revived and stay vibed. And when you get vibed, go out into all the world and give away what you got to everybody you see. Can they live? Oh, prophesy to him. And I prophesied as I was commanded. If you want the key to revival, it's preach, 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 preach. For when the world by its wisdom knew not God, the Jews sought after a sign and the Greeks sought after wisdom. God chose through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Thank God for a preacher. God's prophet is not a modern-day diplomat out to arrange a compromise with you. God's prophet is an anointed apostolic man that is not a modern-day diplomat or politician. He's not starched and ironed. He's not spit and polished. But he's a John the Baptist, girded about with a leather belt and a camel's hair garment. He's ugly to the world, but when you get the Holy Ghost, he's the best-looking thing you've ever seen. When you have revival, it's going to look ugly. When you get evangelism in your city, it's not going to be pretty. Preach. Give me a man of God. God, give us men. Times like this demand strong minds, great hearts, true faith, ready hands, men whom the lust of office does not kill, men whom the spoils of office cannot buy, men who possess opinions and a will, men who have honor, men who will not lie, tall men, sun-crowned, who live above the fog in godly duty and apostolic thinking, but while the rabble with their thumb-worn creed their large professions and their itty bitty deeds mingle in selfish strife freedom weeps wrong rules the land and waiting justice sleeps but if God can get a prophet to prophesy and a preacher to preach I want to thank God that somebody preached to me hallelujah hallelujah 
an author who recently spent time in the Oval Office with President Donald Trump, author by the name of David Heck, whose article was entitled The Death of the American Church. You could sum up his entire article with the death of the American Church. The problem is laid by the ministry wanting to become popular by becoming worldly. And wherever God said in the Bible to go to a city and take a poll as to what kind of music folk want and to what kind of hours of operation they want or what kind of hours or what whatever kind of church you want, that that's not God's church. You don't take a pole and move the church to the world, but you bring a church to the world and the world comes and realigns their life to the church. There's a death because the church is wanting to be like everybody else. Thank God for my apostolic heritage. I wouldn't trade you one dime all the money in the world for something other than the apostolic Pentecostal truth. Somebody going to help me preach today? I wouldn't give you a dime for religion that I couldn't feel, where a preacher couldn't preach. Muzzle not the ox that treadeth out the corn. You want to know why I'm here today? Because I had a preacher in my life. You want to know why you're here today? Because you got a preacher in your life. Thank God for preaching. I preached as I was commanded. I preached as I was commanded. Oh, and I saw the bones begin to come together. You, you're not going to go to your city and build a church overnight. I said, you're not going to build a church overnight. You're not going to start a bus ministry overnight. Hey man, you're not going to fill up Sunday school rooms overnight. But it's through preaching and preaching and preaching. It's like a hammer that breaketh a rock into pieces. It's not my word like unto a fire. Hey, that is a consuming fire. Hey man, and it burns out old traditions. And it breaks to pieces old traditions. And before you know it, bone starts coming to bone. Ankle bone to shins and to hips and to backbones. And the structure of the church begins to come together but you keep on preaching like God commanded and then the sinew comes and then the flesh comes but all of a sudden I hear the wind of God coming like a rushing mighty wind and Ezekiel Ezekiel did not have Gray's Anatomy. Ezekiel did not have Webster's Dictionary. Ezekiel did not have the medical science books to try and bring those bones together. All he had is what God commanded. Some of you are leaning on too many things. Some of you are resting on too much junk. You need to lean on the Lord. And if God builds the house, it's going to be right. But if the Lord doesn't build the house, they labor in vain that building my God it's impossible it's impossible for these bones to come together hey man and get ready for mockery I can see folk passing by Ezekiel in the boneyard and say the apostolics have lost their mind 
They're out there preaching to the back streets of the city. They're out there preaching to the meth labs and the crack houses and the prostitutes on the street corner and the widows and the orphans. Why the sophisticated church, we don't have time for those orphans. We don't have time for those widows. They don't put any money in the offering plate. They dirty up our carpet. They cut holes in our pews. They scuff up our starchy, sheetrock, bleached white walls. We don't want that filth in the church. They say, no, you can't take them because I've already laid claim to them. For God did not call the mighty and God did not call the noble and God did not call the wise, but he called some of us some of us are cockeyed scared of criticism of our peers that we're too afraid to dirty up our church your church is too clean I said your church is too clean you're afraid if a woman walks in that doesn't look apostolic you're afraid of what somebody's gonna say about you do you know that Jesus longest sermon in the Bible was John 4 to a woman that had been married five times and he had to send the disciples away because they wouldn't accept it when you start having evangelism and you start having an impossible situation of revival get ready for criticism get ready for cynicism but that's all right I don't mind I want to please the Lord ugly Exodus 25 and 8, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. That sanctuary was ugly on the outside, but it was clean and well lit on the inside. God got Israel out of Egypt in one night when I see the blood. It took 40 years to get Egypt out of Israel. You're not going to clean up a saint overnight, but let God do the cleaning fire. I said, let God build the church. For upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not. I can't build the church. I'm just God's man. Too clean. Too clean. Hey, man, don't put no gas on the fire just yet. Hallelujah. Too clean. But God specializes in impossible situations. Hallelujah. This started back in Isaiah 6. In the year that King Uzziah died. When I lost the crutch that I had leaned on heavily. When I lost the prop that I had depended on for the entirety of my life. When I lost the pillar of Israel, when Uzziah was finally dead and off the scene, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now what I'm preaching to you today is, is that you got to be willing to let God bring you through the bitter dregs of Christianity and cynicism and criticism and mockery and people turning their back on you and family turning their back on you and friends turning their back on you. But when you finally get rid of all your crutches, not your good bank account, not your good credit on Wall Street, not your good abilities on music, not your pulpit excellence not your silver tongue or rhetorical speech but when you see the Lord high and lifted up you'll know that there's no defeat in God no matter the impossibility 
Hallelujah. Impossibilities. Impossibilities. I preached and did what God said to do. But we serve a God that brings it together. You got to hold out. When it seemed like all hope is gone, you just got to hold out. I said you got to hold out. The race is not given to the swift, neither is the battle given to the strong. But to him that can endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. There is a realm that God wants to move in the apostolic Pentecostals today that is beyond human comprehension. It's beyond what our daddies and our granddaddies ever saw. It's beyond the Zusa Street. It's beyond. But God has something great for the last day church I see an army rising up among us and this army is an unmatched foe for the devil and for this society the darker the night the brighter the light is going to shine hallelujah beyond human comprehension take me to where Lazarus is God, if thou hadst been here yesterday, our brother would not be dead. By this time, it's four days, he's already stinking. Jesus said, take me to where he is. And he told him to remove the stone. You see, when it was beyond any reason of humanity, it was beyond all hope. That's when Jesus showed up. I've learned early on right now. I've been through enough in my little life to throw my hands up early in the morning and say, God, this is too much for me. I can't handle it. You got to step up today and handle business. That's what God was wanting them to do. He said, take the stone away. I removed the stone and he cried, Lazarus, come forth. I want you to know that when it came forth out of the tomb, that it came forth bound hand and foot in grave clothes. And it took the church to unravel and unwrap him. Amen. Jesus can bring people and fill them with the Holy Ghost, but it's up to the church members to teach them about the Bible. It's up to us to unravel all the tangled knots. God's not going to do it for us. It's up to us to teach them and pray with them and bring them to the house of God and pick up the phone and call them when they miss church. Don't, uh, amen, you need to let God guide you, amen, to do that for him. Amen, oh, we've got to unravel all the tangled mess of people's lives today. And you know what? I've had it over my years with people that once embraced our truth. Amen. The compromisers and the pussyfooters whose only criticism is against holiness-minded people. The only hate and disdain they have is for the truth believers like us. Why don't they channel their criticism toward the same sex crowd? Why don't they channel their cynicism toward the baby murderers? Why don't they channel their hate toward the legalizing of marijuana and the legalizing of all that's wrong with the world today. You know why? Because God has sent them a strong delusion. And there's some that said if we can get rid of our apostolic identity and we can get 
more like the world and become more popular with the world, then we'll win the world. It hasn't worked yet. I want to ask you today, brother backslider. I want to ask you today, brother compromiser. I want to ask you, mister, that has walked away from Acts 2.38. How's it working for you? Is your crowds growing? Is your attendance going? It's not happening, but the opposite is happening. I think I'm going to stick with the impossible God that's able to do exceeding abundantly. Someone said, I'm sick of our standards being barriers to keep people out of the church. They should be welcoming to the church. There's never been a standard that was a barrier to keep anybody out of the church. Hey man, this, let me tell you that church growth is not a matter of us having holiness standards, sanctification and separation from the world. That has nothing to do with it. Hey man, people don't have any problems with uniforms. The people that's out there in the alleys that can't make ends meet, that's on their second and third marriage and they're losing their house and they're losing their mind and their children are strung out on all kind of pills. They're not worried about a dress code. They're not worried about a standard. Just give me what I need to get better. When you're a sick man, you'll take any kind of medicine the doctor will give you. But you know who's got a problem with it? I'll tell you who's got a problem with it. Those that have a slave mentality that came up out of Egypt and wandered with a mixed multitude. You better watch out who you're rubbing shoulders with. You better watch out who your children are hanging out with. You better watch out who you listen to preach. You better watch out. I said you better look out because evil communications will corrupt good manners. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Abacasta. Amen. I prophesied like I was commanded, and we won the battle with the Midianites. We brought the Valley of Bones together. Lazarus raised from the dead. The water was turned into wine. Amen. But it seemed like when all hope is gone, Elisha came to the widow woman and said, make me a cake. She said, I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. I'm going to make my last cake and my son and myself are going to die. But he said, put God first. And I scraped the bottom of the barrel like he told me. And it was an impossible situation for he and I to eat together. But whenever she did what the man of God said to do, the cruise of oil did not fail. And the barrel of meal did not waste. Just keep on scraping the bottom of the barrel. Just keep on preaching every Sunday morning just keep on knocking on doors just keep on running your Sunday school bus just keep on teaching on Bible studies just keep on praying keep on being faithful you might have to scrape the bottom of the barrel but if God be for us it don't matter who's against us hallelujah scraping the bottom of the barrel Somebody told me, I admire what you're doing with bus ministry, but I'm going to go for the upper echelon of society. I said, go for it and let me know how it works. He's selling shoes today. Eight years later, nothing against shoe salesmen. Eight years later, 
We've got 14 Sunday school buses. We had 703 on the buses our high Sunday this year. Our highest number in attendance was 1,598 in attendance. We've got a summertime average of 454 on the buses, on the Sunday school buses alone, with a Sunday morning average of 900 in attendance, and over 226 water baptized in the name of Jesus in 2017 alone, scraping the bottom of the barrel. There was a time about a year ago whenever the flood waters came up in Baton Rouge and 42 inches of water came into the building and the only one left was my wife, myself and Spencer Bobo was there with us and my children were stuck on the other side of a flooded river. I didn't see them for several days and we sat down and cried and wondered why God would do this to us when we had such momentum, when we were on such a roll. We had the devil on the ropes and to be honest I thought he was about out of the ring but God brought us all the way down to nothing lost all two and a half million dollars of real estate lost every one of the transmissions and electrical systems in our bus fleet 17 buses lost everything folks scattered but God said I'm a God of impossibilities and God said you just hold on I'm able to do exceeding abundantly I think you thought you might have built the church to have 1600 in attendance I think you thought you might have been teaching good Bible studies and knocking on doors and you're the reason the church is growing but God said when I have an apostolic church you're not going to get the glory it's not going to be by your might and by your power and I want you to know today that I thought God had forgot about where I was. But when we was at the bottom of the barrel and we were scraping the bottom of the barrel, God said, I destroyed every other church in the city. And not one but two churches have joined my church in the entirety of their congregation since that day. For what the devil meant for bad, God meant for good. Why don't you get out of God's way and let him do the impossible? About, about nine years ago, a lady called me from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. She said, you don't know me and I don't know you, but I want you to go and pray for my niece dying in the Earl K. Long Hospital. She's in a coma and she don't know you're there, but just go and pray for her. They don't have a witness of apostolic there to do it. I went as I was commanded, requested, and prayed for her. She didn't know I was there, and I, I didn't even know the girl's name, just something written down so I would know which room number to go through. About uh, two months after the flood waters, back in October, I got a ring on my phone, and it was this girl's mother. She said, you don't know me, but about eight or nine years ago, you went and prayed for my girl, and God raised her up off the deathbed. We have a church down here on Plank Road, and we lost our whole building, and we can't ever get back in our building. We're just looking for a place to have church. I said, you can have church in our facility. They came out on Sunday morning, the entire congregation, to come and look at the premises, but instead of coming to look for a place to have their church, they came and after church said, we want to join your church if you'll have us. I said, you can come here. I said, you can come here. What the devil meant for bad, God meant for good. Don't curse your trouble. For God is able to raise up out of the flood a greater church than was before the flood.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is able. Shout, God is able. God is able to do exceeding abundantly. If your field of labor seems burnt over, if it seems like it's impossible, if it seems like all hope is gone and it's a dead, decaying corpse, my God specializes in things thought impossible. And whenever Joseph revealed himself to his brethren in Genesis 45 and 5, he said, Grieve not yourselves for selling me into slavery, neither be thou envious toward me. For God sent me before you to save you and the whole world alive. I got news for the devil. When the devil brought the flood against life tabernacle and when the devil brought death to your church and the devil brought financial setbacks to your church it was just a setup for a comeback that was greater than where you were before. For God is able. God is able. Two days after the flood, an 88-year-old gentleman came to me who had come to me uh, several years before and said, I got $2 million worth of 20 acres adjacent to your property. He said, I want you to have it. I need $2 million. I said, I, I would like to have it, but I don't have $2 million. Amen. And it's unjustifiable spending. He said, well, I wanted to give you first shot. Far sale sign sat there for the remainder of the time that he talked to me until two days after the flood. The same elderly gentleman came to me. He said, I got to get rid of this property. I'm at death's door and I want you to have it. I said, I'd like to have it, but it's an impossible situation now for sure. We just burned the mortgage a few months ago and there's no way we can take on more debt, especially more debt that you're trying to put on us. He said, allow me to be generous. He said, I'll let you have it for 1.65 off $450,000 I said it sounds good but I can't do it it's impossible he said well you make me an offer I said oh, let me pray about it he said I got to know right now I said I just prayed I'll give you $350,000 if you'll own or finance it at 5% interest he said we'll close right away amen the, a good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children but the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just God sent the flood so the wicked man could give his wealth to the just people. He's a God of impossibilities. He's a God of impossibilities. You got some situations in your church right now that's impossible. Welcome to the throne of God. He says, as long as you don't stand a chance, I can do exceeding abundantly. believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed or he shall grow up before him as a tender branch as a root out of dry 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 ground dry you talk about dry 430 years between Malachi and Matthew you talk about dry the silent part somebody said why don't you ever let me preach I said you can preach you know that part between Malachi and Matthew the silence because you're too unfaithful to preach the only thing you're qualified to preach if yours unfaithful is that part between Malachi and Matthew the silent part it is required moreover it is required in stewards uh, that they be 
found faithful. Give me a faithful man more than a talented man. Give me a faithful man more than an educated man. And I'll give you a church. I'll give you a revival. Oh, 430 years without a prophet. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman made without hands. Daniel 2 and 34, he was a stone cut out without hands. He was a stone that the builders rejected. A man born of a woman without an earthly father. For the Holy Ghost was the father to Jesus. Amen. All the Trinitarians say that the fathers place was he was the sire of a son. Matthew 1 18 said that the Holy Ghost shall overshadow thee. That breaks up the Trinity. I said that breaks up the three God doctrine. The Holy Ghost was the father to Jesus. In Luke 24 and 39 Jesus said behold my hand and my feet. A spirit hath not flesh and bone that you see me have. For John 4 and 24 God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth but that Holy Ghost came sweeping down after 40 days of walking on the earth he ascended up on high and said tarry ye here in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high and 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ they were all with one accord and in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven unity I see sister Wendell here today they don't pray for revival in Ethiopia they pray for unity for when unity comes revival comes we need unity in the church but if you're not going to be united that's all right God's going to have a church united in our worship there was the time of the Reformation, the songs of the gospel, where the hymnals were put together so that every church in the Reformation could sing the same songs of the cross and the blood and the power so they could have unity in their worship. There was unity at the turn of the century. People didn't have a lot worked out as far as the Godhead or things like that. But they knew that the Holy Ghost was essential for salvation. You know, when you get the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. That's not just an afterthought, but that is the sign of the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14, 22, but tongues are for a sign. It's the sign that the Holy Ghost filled your body. Tongues was the sign that you got the Holy Ghost the gift of tongues is God giving a message to you through the church and praying in tongues is to build you up on your most holy faith there's purposes of tongues in the church amen I thank God that I speak in tongues Paul said more than you all every good starching iron Christian that can't talk in tongues needs a good ringing out of the Holy Ghost and you need to get drunk on the Holy Ghost and you wouldn't be so Christian of what's going on in the church. When somebody broke out in a shout, you wouldn't be so observant of them. You know why? Because they were all united drunks. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you who my forefathers were. They were a bunch of drunks on the third story of John Mark's mother's house. When the Holy Ghost came, they were drunk on the new wine and fire 
set on their heads and they spoke in another language and they said what's going on here they said this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joe that's impossible it's impossible for you to speak in a language you never spoke in before that's exactly right it might be impossible with me and you but not with God but with God of impossibilities when you need the Holy Ghost you can repent of your sins get water baptized in the name of Jesus and God will give you a language you never talked in before are there any tongue talkers in the house today are there any holy rollers in the house today are there any holy rollers If you ever got a DWI on the way home from North Little Rock Camp Meeting, you might be apostolic. If you ever roll on the floor laughing, that's not an emoji on your text, but that's what you do when you get the Holy Ghost. We're holy rollers. We're holy rollers. We're apostolics. We're tongue talkers. Holy. Holy. Holy, 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 holy. Uh, this is a holy church. This is a sanctified church. A uh, man, one of my six churches on Sunday morning is an eight to 11 year old church that is taught by a sister in the church and all young ladies, all teenagers, and 70 out of 100 on any given Sunday that are first generation Pentecostals will have on dresses below the knee. It's essential for salvation. Deuteronomy 22 and 5 is not not a recommendation but it is an abomination for a woman to wear that which pertaineth unto a man 1st Corinthians 11 and 9 for this cause of the woman to have power on her head because of the angels because of the angels that sat on the mercy seat the angels that protected the power and the authority and the word of God thank God for an apostolic lady that's got power Power on her head. You got power on your head. Amen. Amen. I looked at that valley of bones that was open and there was no end in sight. I said, This is ugly and it's impossible. And you're looking at your cities and you're looking at unsanctified, unconverted people. But you just keep preaching and watch God bring it all together. I said, just watch God bring it all together. Hey man, we need a togetherness in the church. This is not a time for you to get more like the world. This is a time for you to get more like Jesus. You women that are trying to paint your faces up like clowns. Hey man, God is not pleased with that. Jeremiah 4 and 30. For when thou rentest thou face with painting, and clothest thyself with crimson, and deckest thy flesh with ornaments of gold, when thou art spoiled, what will thou do? God wants a lady that will shine the light of glory and emanate from the inside out and say I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power you might think it's impossible to have a holy church in 2017 but the devil's a liar God has a holy church with women that's hair is uncut with no jewels on their fingers with no earrings in their ears and with no pain on their 
face and men that are modest and shamefacedness. Amen. I see a trend in the church where our young men and even some ministers are starting to grow beards and mustaches and goatees. You know why they call it a goatee? Because it looks like they swallowed a man a south end of a northbound goat and left the rear end of his anatomy sticking out. That's not cute at all. What you need is the Holy Ghost and to clean up your face. What makeup is to a girl is what facial hair is to a man. And when you get the Holy Ghost, you won't have trouble shaving your face. You can't be a good witness. I said, you can't be a good witness with a mustache on your face. You can't be a good witness looking like Grizzly Adams on your face. You go to the door and ask somebody to come to church, they'll turn you down. I'll go clean shaven and they'll be glad to let me take them to the house of God. You're not a good witness. What you are is backslidden. And if you get the Holy Ghost, God can work an impossibility in you today. He can rekindle the fire of heaven in you today. You will be ashamed to say that I'm a one God apostolic tongue talking, foot stomping, aisle running. Show you that the Holy Ghost is sitting down here right now. Bus number one, new converts. Life was strung out in sin. They bring 30 people to church on their bus every week. Bus number two, a family of five when they didn't have a hired driver to drive yesterday. Over nine months pregnant, sat behind a wheel and drove 40 people to church. Bus number three, Spanish immigrant to America, brings over 60 people to church on her bus every week. Bus number four, hey man, new converts, prayed back through, backslidden, prayed back through to the Holy Ghost. Bus number five, Brother Williams, my assistant, brings 30 to 40 every week. Bus number six, my 17-year-old boy averages about 40 every week. Bus number seven is driven by a brand new family of seven that was on welfare. He had hair down to his waist, had a big old grizzly looking beard. She was just all messed up in sin. But today, not only are they good saints, but they're responsible for bringing about 40 people to church with them every week. I'm telling some of you that you said it's impossible to have revival in your church. What you need to do is get rid of your $60,000 car, go get a $2,000 jalopy, and buy you a bus and bring people to the house of God. If you're not having growth, it's nobody's fault but your fault. I said, if your church is not growing, it ain't nobody's fault but your fault. You're saying, I'm not a soul winner. If you're a soul winner, the husband must be first partaker of the fruit. Bus number eight, a boy, a man tatted and pierced everywhere. Marriage was on the rocks, about to go to prison. A man, but Chris said, I don't know what it was, but I was passing by the church and the Holy Ghost brought me in and I found you praying and I come to get my life right with God. And a year later, he's driving on a bus and his wife's on there with him and they're not in trouble no more because God is able to do exceeding abundantly bus number nine 
This little girl over here, uh, brother and sister Parker's little girl, 15-year-old girl goes out. Uh, and when her daddy's working uh, and her mama's busy, she said, I'm walking. If you won't take me, I'm walking to go knock doors. Uh, the greatest evangelists uh, are not the folks in $2,000 suits uh, and $1,500 Ferragama gator shoes uh, that stand behind a pulpit uh, and preach to a bunch of blue blood apostolics week after week. Uh, but the greatest evangelists uh, are the folks without a license that get on that bus and go out and evangelize the streets of their city. Bus number 10. Sister Paula Bado, whose husband was taken out of here too soon. Amen. But instead of saying, I'm just going to take a sabbatical, she got on her bus the next Sunday and remembered her husband being on there with her. And she brings about 40 people to church every week. Bus number 11, my 11-year-old boy with an old gray-haired grandmother that brought 50 to church yesterday. Bus number 12, a brand new couple in the church. Bus number 13. 13, two ladies. That's number 14. I want you to know that if God be for us, it don't matter who's against us. People are sick to death of old dead church. The Baptists are getting rid of their buses. Go and knock on their door Monday morning and tell them, I want to buy your bus. And if you won't sell it to me, just give me the keys and the title. And I'll come to tell you that God is fixing to shake your city from center to circumference. Quit worrying about getting a good degree. Get you some education. I don't care if you got so many degrees, they call you Dr. Fahrenheit. If you ain't a soul winner and a tongue talker, your education don't impress me. I don't care if you got a PhD. Most of the time, that's just a phenomenal dummy. If you're not a, a preacher that'll preach hell, fire, and damnation, your PhD don't mean nothing. It don't matter if you got a DD. If you can't disturb the devil, your DD don't scare the devil. Some of you are here and you think you need to get education. And I've gone to AST and I've gotten great wisdom. But I want you to know all the education in the world can't replace a red hot apostolic, apostolic experience like a rushing mighty wind that'll fill your head and'll fill your body and'll fill your feet. Is there some apostolic young men that said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do the impossible? If God be for me, if God be for me, for it's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. For God is able to do exceeding abundantly. Got any mountains? You got some children? Come on, Daddy. You got some boys that strung out on meth? Come on, Mama. You got some girls that's far from the altar? Come on, grandparents. Your grandchildren are being raised outside. Come on. You got some impossible situations. I'm calling you down here right now. God's fixing to show you when you put your hands in the air and say, that's enough, God. I can't do it on my own. God is able. God is able.
That's right. Hey, God's making a way for your children right now, sister. The Holy Ghost told me to tell you, some of you preachers have thought your field of labor is over and you're ready to turn in the towel. You're ready to turn in the keys to the board. But God told me to tell you, when you're at the bottom of the barrel and there's no way out, that God is able to turn your situation around. Hey, I say unto thee, go forth, though I send rain upon the earth, or I send drought upon the earth, and pestilences and locusts to destroy your crops. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, then will I heal their land. Get a prayer meeting going, get a soul winning going, get a bus route going, get a Bible study going. God's calling you right now, brother. Oh, Lord, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Like a rushing mighty wind blow through this house, oh, Spirit of God. Like a rushing mighty wind blow through this house, oh, Spirit of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, 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 ba, kosha. Some of you has got some impossible situations right now. Some of you young people. Some of you young ladies. You're looking for your place. You think it's impossible for God to use you. Some of the greatest soul winners. I don't care how messed up your life is. Do you know two out of the three women in the genealogies of the New Testament were prostitutes? Rahab the harlot, Tamar the harlot, Ruth was a Gentile. It don't matter what your past is. It don't matter if the devil's pushing you down right now. God of impossibilities is here to restore you right now. Young man, God's calling you. I'm not talking about quitting your job and going looking for a church. I'm talking about bivocationalism. Hey man, I preached for 16 years before I ever took a paycheck. Bivocationalism. Hey man, you don't have to give up your education and your job to be used by God. You think that you're not worthy because you're not eloquent God wants to use you brother some of you are in the throes you're trying to decide whether to sell out for God sell out to the devil or just be lukewarm you're fixing to get it for yourself today boy some of you are thinking about joining the military I asked a military man here would you recommend our young men join the military he said don't do it don't do it 
be a soldier for Jesus. Some of you are thinking about another occupation and a school that'll take you away from your church or an education that'll take you away from your pastor. Cursed be that old spirit that's pulling on you. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Don't look at me today. Look at me 20 years ago where I stayed under my pastor. I sat under him and I worked and I did what he said to do when he said to do it. And I moved when he said to move. Don't look at me today, but look at me 20 years ago. Don't look at Brother Holmes today, but look at the man when A.O. Holmes died. The only encouragement he could get was they're going to split this church 50 different ways. God of impossibilities. Now the largest camp meeting in oneness Pentecost. Impossibilities. Impossibilities. <laughs> I feel a weeping spirit washing through here. I feel the rushing mighty wind blowing through here. God's blowing some of you to a door to knock on. God's blowing some of you to a table to teach a Bible study. God's blowing some of you. Come on, that wind is blowing right now. Rise up, almighty wind. Blow through this house. Shake our young people. Shake our preachers. Yo, 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 no, 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 Go ahead, prophet. Go ahead, preacher's wife. Come on. When you get out of God's way, God is able. God is able. When you say, I can't do it no more. God's telling some of you to sell your nice car and go buy a van so you can run it Sunday morning. God's telling some of you to give up your dear lease and go buy you a new bus so you can have a bigger Sunday school. God's telling some of you to sell your bass boat and put it all on the altar and build a church for Jesus Christ. God is able. Oh, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Catch on fire, catch on fire. I said, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Burning with the Holy Ghost. Well, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Catch on fire, catch on fire. I said, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Burning with the Holy Ghost. Well, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire. Catch on fire, catch on fire. I said, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire.
children knocking the doors in the rough places of our city. The same people that don't want their children knocking doors in the rough places of their city set their children down under a television where eight out of the top 13 sitcoms are homosexual oriented. Let them play shooter games where they blow people's heads off and eat their brains out of their skull. But they don't want their children to go knocking doors in the wrong places of a city. You're going to lose your children to the devil or God. You better make up your mind you're going to lose them to Jesus. Stop protecting your children. Stop shielding them from Holy Ghost preaching. Amen. My 11-year-old boy goes out. There was a man, a man that had run four uh, nightclubs in our city. He got an article about our church and the bus ministry. He picked it up about 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning and looked at that and said, I got to go find out about this church that drives people past these bar rooms and brings children to church. He came to a Bible study. To make a long story short, he's in the church. He's married. I just dedicated their baby about two weeks ago. He's a bus captain. He's a soul winner. He takes my boy out every Saturday knocking doors. Some of you need to get your children on fire for Jesus. You need to get them in the streets knocking doors for Jesus. Some of you, I wonder if there's some soul winners out there that said, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Who shall go for us? Whom shall I send? Here I am, Lord. Send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me, Lord. I, I, I know it's impossible, but if God be for me. Oh, I wish somebody so would catch on by. Catch on by. Catch on fire, I said I wish somebody so would catch on fire, burning with the heart. 